You're listening to the Beside the Badge podcast with your host, Paul Bunker, veteran chaplain and friend to law enforcement. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Beside the Badge. This is my second part of our two-part series talking about basically how to stay, being a cop during tough times. And we talked about your personal responsibility as a law enforcement officer to keep yourself where you belong, followed by the responsibility of uh, your coworkers. Now I want to talk about at the admin level. So if you are in some form of police administration, you are a sergeant, lieutenant, a captain, a chief, um, you know, whatever, chief of detectives, you know, you're a sheriff, an undersheriff, marshal, deputy marshal, whatever the flavor, you hold some type of authority. Leadership is an is a is a top down and a bottom up thing. Ideas come. I I, I deal uh, with some pretty cool security things in the church world. Some of them are very high speed. Some of them are very basic. I had a guy suggest an idea to me the other day that if I had pridefully because I know what I'm doing, if I hadn't listened to it, I would not have wouldn't have learned from it. And I caught him the following Sunday and said, Hey. When you had said that originally, I misunderstood you. And then when you explained it again and showed me what you were talking about, I was like, oh, that. So that, I said, that is, that you're right. That is important. And and I will look at making a change to that. We have a responsibility to the people that we are in authority over. We are, we are to look after them. If you have somebody actively working to undermine you, you've got to take disciplinary action. But I have seen really, really good cops run out of departments by crap administration that are only in it for themselves, that they're not there to look after the cops. And I have seen, I have seen officers flock to department with lackluster pay, crap pay. Uh, I have seen people flock to departments with garbage equipment. I've had police officers tell me I will work for a couple of dollars less an hour easy, easily to work for a department that has my back or for people that care about me. Now, think about that. If you're part of a department and you're in the administration, you're part of building the culture of your department. I've seen businesses where nobody empties the trash. What does that look like to the customer when they walk by and see overflowing trash cans? It says... You don't care about me because you don't even care about your your pod or your office or the front desk. That is a top-down problem. I have seen businesses where everybody is, and it's a top-down problem, everybody is trying to cover their own butt. No, no, I didn't do that. You did that. I, I don't know who did that. I'm not, I'm not going to, you just get away from me. I'm not going to do this thing. You stay over there. You do this, whatever. Okay, that's a top-down problem. And if you have if you have a sense of personal responsibility at the top, it flows downhill. If you have um, if you have a chief, if you have a sheriff, if you have administration that cares about the way they look, the way they dress, the way they stay in shape, that they care. I know that some of you are going, where does that exist at? They care about their physical fitness. They care about their level of training. Those individuals in those departments 
are going to, it, it breeds something into the department. I saw a man come into a department and take over as chief. When he did, within a matter of months, the fitness level at that department skyrocketed. Why? Because he walked in the door and he actually had a level of physical fitness. Coffee's at break. He actually had a level of physical fitness. He's pretty fit. And he still is. <clears throat> he isn't with that department anymore, but he's still fit. And it trickled down. People would see him come in and he was slim and he was trim and he was in good shape. And he actually went out and he shot competitively a few times to make sure he was, he wanted to be better at what he did. And I respect the heck out of that. And it had a type of trickle down effect within his department. The city ended up getting a, um, and I think it happened during his administration. I know it, I know what happened. I know it was going on during his administration, but I think it happened during his administration. He actually ended up in a position where he was able to get gym memberships for the entire department. It actually lowered their insurance rates. And so anybody that wanted to, that was part of the department could go to the gym. That's huge. That's absolutely huge. And um, those things are very important. I've talked about this before. He was able to help set a standard in the department that had an impact on all of the people that he worked with that were underneath his command. Think about that. That's huge. And I would like to see in my area a set of roving trophies that go department to department based on competitions that are held annually where departments compete against departments in physical fitness, problem solving, maybe swimming, because you got to maybe swim out and save the dummy that represents the child. You got to be able to shuck your gear quickly and dive into the water and you go up full battle rattle to the edge of the water. And then, you know, they blow the whistle. You got to, you got to strip your gear down to just your uniform, take your boots and your vest off, whatever, dive in the water and go swim and save the child or whatever. You've got to be able to um, maneuver and it's about physical fitness. It's about problem solving. It's about shooting. It's about moving it. Those things under stress will tell you a lot about who you are and people who tend to be in the sheepdog community, male or female tend to be quite competitive and that has an impact. There's a sense of, Oh, you may have won this year, Paul Buckner with your department, but you know what? I'm going to win next year. And Paul Buckner's like, no, you ain't because he doesn't use proper grammar. <clears throat> so those are, they're not throwing your people under the bus. I've seen departments that the minute that an officer has to use lethal force, they fire them. Yeah. I've seen situations where the officer did nothing wrong and it's not that they were put on paid leave. It's that as soon as something like that happens, the department gets rid of them. Or somebody in town doesn't like the fact, uh, I, I, this could have gone badly in a town near me. Uh, a guy got, a guy refused to pull over, drove for quite a distance, finally did pull over, backup arrived. The guy got stupid and then wondered why he had tasers pointed at him. I mean, the guy jumped out of his vehicle and got ignorant in a hurry, or as we say in my area, ignorant. He got ignorant in a hurry. And well, then he wondered why he had tasers pointed at him. He was being an entitled snot and didn't think he needed to stop. Okay, that's what happens when you blow stop, stop signs and speed. Oddly enough, you know, whoop, whoop, that's the sound of the police. It's weird because people that blow stop signs can kill people. 
speeding that ignorantly can kill people, including you. So, whoop, whoop, he got pulled over. And then he wondered why he got to see the business end of a taser when he got out and started dropping F-bombs and, and coming toward the officers. Yeah. But I've seen towns that would have fired that officer. Well, you can't talk to Bill like that. Bill's a punk. And Bill's entitled. And Bill doesn't understand that the law is there to protect him from people doing those kinds of things to potentially hurt him. And Bill was being a knucklehead. And they would have fired the officer over it. That is something that at an admin level, and I've been very honored. I have had, I have had um, city mayors contact me and say, okay, Paul Buckner, you're a chaplain. How do, I, how do I get and keep good cops? And I talked about this at the very beginning of my, my podcast. I, I still am in awe when those situations come up. They don't happen a lot, but when they happen, they floor me. How do I get and keep good cops? Well, it starts with, it starts with who you hire as chief. It starts with who you elect as sheriff. And he or she needs to be a man or woman of integrity. Then it, then it becomes pay and equipment. And you build a culture around your leadership and your leadership has to lead that says, this is how we're going to approach these things. And if we mess up, we're going to own it, but we're going to do our best not to mess up. And transparent leadership, leadership that doesn't run over its people, leadership that you know will have your back. If you're right, you know your leadership has your back. I, I have been honored when I've had those conversations with people at the mayoral level blows my mind that that i would be having that conversation i'm like wow but i was honored and um and i've seen that largely that advice followed to great effect which is amazing uh then we've got then we've got what can we do as private citizens so i'm going to take a quick sponsor break and we'll come back and talk what about what can we do as private citizens to help keep good cops behind badges in difficult times like these. So I got three sponsors. Blessed has three sponsors. So I've got John Lee O'Reilly with Gentle Response. He he puts you under a great deal of stress. And once you're at that high stress level, having learned things academically in the classroom setting, he turns around and he teaches you in the the head-on um, um, in your face high volume under fire environment people are in your face they're screaming they're invading your personal space they're talking to you what are you talking about what are you doing what are you looking at me for and that way you train under stress so that you can perform under stress they said of the spartans they said of the the uh, macedonians that they something to the effect of their their uh, drills being bloodless battles and their battles being bloody drills they trained under stress so they could perform under stress. John Lee O'Reilly, gentle response. Followed by Got Your Six Coffee. I dearly love Got Your Six Coffee. Mm. Coffee's at break. I love the coffee. I love the taste of the coffee. I love what every sip does for me. I know that there's purpose in every cup. Every time I drink this coffee, I know that I am changing the life of an EMT, a paramedic, a police officer, a firefighter, or a U.S. service veteran. I know that there is purpose in every cup of Got Your Six Coffee. If you drink coffee, you should be drinking Got Your Six Coffee. 
followed by Shield Force International, my friend, my mentor, Matt Combs, an excellent guy. He knows his stuff. You really need to be thinking about training for survival mindset to survive the fight um, in hand-to-hand -hand training, realistic knife defense training, understanding what the realities of a knife attack are, understanding how to survive the fight, how to survive the ambush, how not to get ambushed, how to keep your head on a swivel. Uh, you need to be trained for this, and not everybody does it naturally. So if you do it well, others may not. And that is why you need training from instructors like Matt Combs with Shield Force International. There is training that he has helped me uh, with, training I've received from him, that likely, in all probability, has saved my life. I know it has saved the life of someone I care about. So I'm telling you, you need to train with guys like Matt Combs with Shield Force International. And then we've got coming back from our sponsor break, talking about what it takes as private citizens to help keep good cops behind badges. Um, anybody can walk up and say, thank you for what you do. Um, I've got your back. If something happens, I'll fight for you. It's hard for a lot of officers to believe that because they've literally watched people. I talked to a chief of police a couple of days ago that he he came from his home off duty because dispatch said that that, that one of his officers was not responding to um, to the status checks. They knew that he was dealing with a problem individual and the guy came back with warrants and the officer was not responding to his status checks and they had a unit on the way, but it, the unit was too far away to be of any effect. So he had, he basically just threw his gun on and took off down there, got down there to the dollar store and at the outside of the dollar store, here was his guy fighting for his life. And he gets up there uh, between the two of them, they get the bad guy in handcuffs. And the bad guy goes to jail and he looks up and he says, Paul, I knew everybody that was standing there. And I looked at him and said, what the heck? And he said, they were like, well, we thought we'd get in trouble if we got involved. Well, I understand the, the misunderstanding because there's a lot of people that don't know what they don't know. But a lot of officers don't believe the public would have their back. I've been floored uh, by the response from some officers when I have had their back. They've looked at me and been like, man, I'd rather have you for backup than some of the people that I work with. Not everybody that has a badge should have a badge. And those things happen where there's people that they won't fight when they need to or they're too busy absolutely fighting when they shouldn't. As, as the public, there are very real and tangible things. Um, legitimately watching an officer's back. I was at a set of pumps recently. Uh, I looked over, an officer pulled up. Um, the, uh, the second officer in the vehicle got out and went inside. The driver gets out, starts to pump gas. I see a guy get out of his car. And um, when he gets out of his car, he looked like he was strung out on drugs. No shirt, no shoes, pants down, his uh, pants, you know, no belts. His pants are hanging down. And um, just... You know, he just, in my area, he was, we would loosely term him trailer trash. And I mean that with no disrespect, but he just didn't have anything going for him. And I noticed him peek around the side of the pumps. And I'm thinking, does he have warrants? Is he so spun that he's paranoid? And I see that he's got a handgun in his back pocket. You can take this story or leave it. Um, I'm watching him. I'm watching him watch the officer. I check my line of fire where from my pump, I have a straight line of fire to him. On the opposite side of him are no vehicles, there are no people, and there's a brick wall. So I have a clear line of fire and I'm watching him and I'm praying for the safety of this officer. 
And then the guy goes and gets back in his vehicle, but he had peeked around the corner. He had a handgun in the back of his pants. Now, bad guys are never going to obey any laws. Most laws they're not going to obey. So regardless of your feelings on firearms, he was armed. Now, so was I. I am a, I am a law-abiding firearms owner. And I walked over to the police officer, and as I was walking towards him, and I was wearing a, a, a shirt that fit fairly well. I don't wear them a lot, but I was wearing a, sh a shirt that fit me fairly well. And um, I carry appendix, and I had my hands out to either side, and I said, uh, officer, I need to talk to you for a moment. And he turns and looks at me, and he smiles, became very professional, because he, he, he never knows as a cop what people are going to have to talk to you about. So explain to me why this guy did this. That Officers get that a lot. Well, d defend this reason. Or... I want you to, I'm going to explain this circumstance that if an elf breaks into my house on a Tuesday morning at 4 a.m. and he's armed with a banana, can I shoot him? I mean, some people come up with some of the weirdest questions. And I think it's, some people are very well-meaning, but some of the questions people come up with are so derpy. You're like, huh? And I'm the chaplain standing over the side going, huh? Huh? So he sees me. He's very professional. He Now he sizes me up. They come a lot bigger than me, but I'm like 6'4", 215. And he sees the imprint of my concealed carry handgun. And he looks down at it, looks up at me, and I nodded like, yes, I am armed. Now I've got my hands out to either side and I'm smiling. And he nods like, okay, fair enough. And I walked up to him and I turned and I pointed over at the other set of pumps. And I said, I wanted to let you know there's a gentleman over here. I believe he's strung out, no shirt, disheveled hair. He has a, a, Tor a Taurus G2 Millennium semi-automatic handgun tucked in the back of his pants, what it looked like. And I said, he, he kind of played peekaboo with you a moment there. After your partner went inside, he peeked around the side of the pumps at you. And I said, I don't know if he's spun on something. Probably. I don't know if he has active warrants. Probably. But I can tell you he's armed. And I said, I'm going to go back over those pumps. I said, I am a civilian uh, police chaplain, and here are the departments that I am a chaplain for. And he goes, okay, cool. And I said, now, as you know, I am armed. I said, I am a legal, lawful concealed carry permit holder. And I said, I'm over there at this set of pumps. And I said, if something happens, I have your back. And he looks at me, and he could tell I meant it. And he nodded once, looks me right in the eye, and he goes, thank you. I appreciate the heads up. That set of pumps, that car, yes. Something to that effect. I walk back over. You can take the story. You can leave it. I don't really care. And as I'm standing there watching over him, the guy gets out of his vehicle again, the, the, the perp, the potential bad guy, and he peeks again, and he's kind of peeking, and he's kind of positioning himself, and I'm getting more and more concerned that he's going to do something incredibly stupid. And so as I'm standing there on purpose, I reached up and uncovered my shirt in my state that's not brandishing, tucked it in behind my, um, my holster, and I stood there where I can draw quickly. If I needed to, he's going to hear, drop the weapon or I drop you. He's going to hear, show me your hands, something. This officer already knows that there's, you know, better than a 50-50 that I'm on the side of the angels. And I'm not going to let this cop go down. I, I promise you, I make you this solemn vow. If I'm there, I'll bleed my last before you'll fight alone. Not everybody feels that way, but trust me, there are more people, guys, that feel that way than you realize. There's a lot of us that are patriotic Americans that we won't just let you fight alone. It's it's going to make me cry. We mean it. And the the bad guy, potential bad guy, looked back at me, saw me looking at him intently, 
realized that I was armed, got back in his car and did not get out for the rest of the time that that the officer was pumping gas. The officer's partner comes back out. The officer explained the situation. They pulled around to the side and positioned themselves where they could see the vehicle leave. And they followed the vehicle out of the parking lot, probably to try to get PC, probable cause, to pull it over and find out why the guy was playing peekaboo with a couple of cops in the parking lot. He didn't break any laws, not in my state. But there's a really good chance he had active warrants, and, and at the very least, he's a problem. I share that story, and it might seem out of place. Most most people are not wired to have that conversation with a cop. Most people are not wired to put themselves on the line, but there's a lot of us that are. There's a lot of people that are that would do more than even, even than I would. Um, but there are simple things, because we all think of those potential things as being the thing. But there are so many things that we can do. It's a lot. A lot of departments right now will not take. Um, they will not take food from you that you deliver to their department because of COVID. Um, you know, this is early 2021, and we're still dealing with COVID. Hopefully, by the time you're listening to this, it's a year from now or five years from now, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I remember COVID." <laughs> Glad that's over. Be nice, huh? Um, you can get them gift cards. Um, a lot of departments will not accept drinks or food, but you can get them gift cards. You can get them gift cards to the local convenience store, to the local uh, coffee shop. You can get them gift cards to something that they can get food or drink from, and they can order it for themselves. Then they know that it was initiated by them for them, and it will go to benefit their department. I am well enough known in my area that if I show up to dispatch or the jail, the sheriff's department, if I show up to any of the police departments with food, they're like, and they want the food. They, they trust me. That's not going to happen in a lot of environments. That said, uh, there's other things you can do. Does your department need anything? Offer to meet with a chapel and talk to your local church. It, not every church is going to want to get involved. Um, for every church that wants to get involved, there may be 10 that's like, ah, pass. They've got other ministries and their hearts are in different places. But there are things that you can do for um, police departments. I saw uh, the coolest thing, um, and it was bubbled up by um, by Barry Young with Stratagos International, talked about, I recently went to one of his chaplain's classes, and he was talking about the fact that you can, as a church or a civic organization, you can offer to put um, an entire department or, or a segment of a department through a Dave Ramsey uh, financial freedom training. He's got a financial, it's a something like financial university or money university or something that teaches you how to balance your budget and do all these things as a, as a family or a couple or an individual and to not run into these pitfalls financially. There's a lot of little things you can do um, that can help an officer to be able to go, oh yeah, and now I'm going to speak directly to the beat cop, the person that's out there every day, the patrolman, the person that's driving around the town, the county, the state to help. People are going to walk up to you and say, thank you for your service. And it's a weird feeling because I've had people do it to me and I'm not a cop. And I'm like, I appreciate that. I'm not a police officer. I'm like, no, we know what you do. You're, you're the chaplain and we think you're awesome. Thank you for your service. And it is a really weird feeling. And I had a veteran tell me something that really resonated with me. So if you are law enforcement, firefighter, any form of first responder, if you are a half-crazed chaplain, if you are a veteran, I think this works. 
what he said was, for years it bothered him when people said, um, thank you for your service. And he said, what I finally what I finally learned to say was, thank you for being a person worth fighting for. Now let's let's ex let's extract that and modify it from the law enforcement first responder world. Thank you for being someone worth serving and protecting. Thank you for being an American worth protecting. Thank you for being thank you for being the kind of citizen that I signed up to protect. Thank you for being one of the good guys. Make it your own. But it's a way of responding in a way that creates a connection. Because we've all had those interactions. I don't know how many times I've been with police officers and somebody walks in the room and sees three or four police officers trying to have dinner together and goes, I didn't do it. <laughs> like they're the first person to ever say that. Or take my kids, please. You know, he did it. It's, it's ignorant. But when you have an interaction with somebody who is genuinely trying to say thank you, I'll be standing at church or standing in, and we have a deputy that's by the door and I'll be, um, during, we have multiple services during one of the services I attend during other service parts of the services, I do security and I may be outside. I may be inside. I may be roving. I may be positioned somewhere, but I'm, I'm bouncing around doing stuff. And I'll be talking at one of those points to one of the deputies and someone will invariably walk up and, and reach out and squeeze their hand and squeeze my hand and say, thank you for what you do. And they'll walk away because they want, they want us to know that we're appreciated. So remember that there are good people out there. I, I literally have seen police officers volunteer at things and look around and go, okay, so I needed this because I had started to forget or I had completely forgotten that there are good people. And for me, it was becoming an us versus them thing. Like it's cops and bad guys only. Like in my brain, it was cops and robbers only, not um, thin blue line, little bit of cops, thin bad line, little bit of bad guys, great big patriotic American line of people that are just the average Joe Americans that get up every day and don't break laws and, and go to work and pay their taxes and love their families and they don't beat their children. And it's easy to forget that. So this is the end of my two-part podcast talking about basically what it takes for, for you, your personal responsibility, your co-workers' responsibility, your admin's responsibility, and, and what we as private citizens can do. You can, you can give gift baskets and, and all kinds of different things like this as a private citizen to help. But a lot of it, a lot of it's just checking on an officer. And I literally have been, you have, you have to think about this as the private citizen when you're talking to a police officer. You may be the only positive interaction that police officer has all day or all week when they put on that uniform. Think about that. Imagine how long you would work a counter at a service desk for a company if the only thing you dealt with were angry people or suicidal people or people that said, I'm going to kill you. I'm going to murder you in front of your family. But before I do, I'm going to rape your wife in front of you. Because that's what officers deal with. I mean, that, I mean, it's just, that's the kind of crazy. You wouldn't work there for very long. And if you did, you'd go over the counter and strangle somebody. So officers need to know that they're appreciated, even if it's just, even if it's just, I'll be driving down the road and I'll look over and see one of the cops that I know. I'll give them one of these, you know, as I go down the road and they're like, they know who it is. I was walking into a post office as a police officer was walking out or whichever direction it was. And I could just see his head was kind of down and you could see he was, he had the weight of the world on his shoulders. And I looked at him and I said, has anybody, has anybody told you that they appreciate you today? They appreciate what you do today. 
he doesn't know me. It wasn't my area of influence. It wasn't anywhere he would know me. He doesn't need to know that I'm a chaplain. I don't need to make it awkward or, 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 or I do a podcast and it's not about me. It's about him. And so as he's walking towards me, he looked up and he looked at me for a second, like, huh? And, and then he, he smiled and he's like, no, nobody has. And I said, well, let me be the first. And I reached out. Now, some officers won't shake hands. They'll fist bump, you know, and accept that if that's where they're going with it. But he shook my hand and I said, thank you for what you do. And he's like, thank you. I needed that. Or I appreciate that or something like that. So Let's pray out this episode. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for everyone who hears us. I ask that you guide it to the right ears. Protect our police officers. Guide them. Lift them up. Bring them closer to you, Lord God. You know my mission is to keep good cops behind the badges, Lord God. And I want them to find the hope that we have in you. And I thank you. I ask that you would protect them supernaturally up to and including bending the bullets around them. Protecting them from the person trying to stab them. I give you the honor and the glory in your son Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, let's do this again. I'll see you on the next podcast. Thank you for listening to the Beside the Badge podcast. Stay safe out there and be sure to subscribe and share this podcast.